Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 104. And tonight we do not have a Night Vale episode to record yet, but we do have two big events that we went to this weekend, pretty much at the same time, too. I think it was the exact same day for both of us. So I, mm-hmm. over on the East Coast, attended North Carolina Comic Con Bowl City, which is the big convention that takes place in Durham, North Carolina. Very awesome. And I went with several of my friends up to Pasadena on the West Coast, and we went to DesignerCon 2017, which is a giant art show of cool things and kind of hard to describe if you haven't been there. A giant art show of cool things, I think kind of describes the pictures you've been sharing on Instagram. We're going to have photo galleries of both of these events going up this week at time of this recording in a couple days, at time this episode drops a couple days ago, because time time is is weird. weird. But we figured we would start with Catherine describing what North Carolina Comic Con Bull City is all about. Well, for starters, it's slightly... Well, we were trying to figure it out when we went there if it was slightly smaller than North Carolina Oak City Comic Con. It takes place in a really cool convention center in North Carolina, and it's attached to the Carolina Theater, which was a surprise. I hadn't realized that the two buildings were uh, butted up against each other, which meant that the panels took place in both buildings. So it had this nice nice, sort of comfortable feeling to, I thought, you know, just sort of very classy, but lots of people. I wore the cosplay that you and I had put together for San Diego Comic-Con, which was one of Caecilius's acolytes from the movie Doctor Strange. And I got a lot of compliments on it, which was awesome because people actually recognized it. Now, a lot of them thought I was going as Caecilius, but, you know, it was close enough that I was willing to give it to them. And I got a couple of photograph requests from people. So that was cool. Nathan got some awesome pictures of cosplayers at the Comic-Con. I mean massively talented people out there. And we had, you know, the fourth doctor, you had, I believe it was in a family going as the Guardians of the Galaxy, right down to like, <laughs> what looked like a little four-year-old going as one of the characters. So very yes. cool. Yeah, but it was just, it was fun to wander around and look at all the cosplays and look at the great big vendor area. And I found myself a uh, concrete graphic novel that I had never oh. bought before. Fragile, I think it's Fragile Creature. So yeah, all around, lots of fun. So, and we also attended a couple of panels and the first one we went to, it was very specific. It was about sealing foam for the use in cosplay, which I I wondered, I mean, it was, it was one that was going on when we were there. I thought, well, I want to get more into cosplay. This might give me some little ideas if I get further along, maybe it'll be useful. It was really useful. It was three people, and I actually have their Instagram names here because they were kind enough to share that when Nathan shared their picture of the panel. It's Instagram user Kaz Cosplays, that's C-A-Z-C-O-S-P-L-A-Y-S, and then Instagram user Jenna Say What, that's a <laughs> J-E-N-N-A underscore S-A-Y underscore what, and then Day Before the Cosplay, all one word. So, and, nice. And they talked a lot about, I've never really actually considered foam, you know, the craft foam that you would buy at Michael's or, yeah. you know, even insulation foam. 
using that as the base of a cosplay, which I think is a fantastic idea because I've heard people talk about warbler, and I think that is the stuff that you you heat up and then you smooth into shape and then yes. or cut into armor and whatever. I've also heard it in the context of would anyone like to go in with me on a sheet of warbler? Because I believe right. it is pretty expensive. Foam, however, is much more accessible to people. And the big thing that they talked about over and over again that they all use is something called Plastidip. And looking around for it online, I think it's usually something that's marketed to people who do auto restoration. It's sort of a, ah. a sealant kind of thing. But you make something out of foam, you seal it with Plastidip, and then you can cover it in acrylic and do all sorts of things to it. And it becomes extremely versatile. But, you know, they had all of these amazing tips like rub and buff, like warmed up rub and buff. I've never heard of this stuff, but you can apparently do amazing textures with it. Glossifier to seal everything to make it, you know, really shiny on the outside. Warned against the idea of using this like beeswax stuff for texturing and then trying to cover that with acrylic, which is apparently a bad idea. So, I mean, yeah, if you guys want to go check out these guys' Instagram uh, links, they have all sorts of amazing stuff. I just, I mean, the things that they make, you know, an entire Loki cosplay using wood glue to seal, you know, the foam to make the horns smooth. I mean, just all these ideas and I'm sitting here thinking, I want to make something, but I don't know what. I know. I keep, I keep playing around with various ideas. I thought for a while, remember Battle Angel? Battle Angel Alina? Oh, yeah. I remember you had (sighs) an idea to do that one. I know. I thought about doing that because I would love to do something with like metal arms. I just really like that idea and doing like either Warbler or something. But it's really intimidating because if you go Google it, there are a lot of amazing Battle Angel cosplays out there. I'm like seriously impressive stuff. Oh, let me tell you, my pie in the sky cosplay idea, I want to go as Nautica from uh, The Lost Light. Right? (sighs) And I I took a look around and there's at least one person out there who's done a full Nautica costume and it's amazing. (laughs) It is is so intimidating. And I think if I want to do, you know, try some of these foam ideas, I should probably start start with something of a character wearing armor as opposed to a character who basically is the armor. Exactly. I was thinking if we're going to go and pie in the sky, I can't remember her name. Her friend whose head is on fire. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't remember it either. Yeah. But oh, oh yeah. my God. Cause I have this idea of having like, you would do like really brightly colored cloth and then have a little teeny tiny fan inside to have it move like flames up above. Oh, oh I just, boy. if I can dream, as long as I'm dreaming, why the hell not have a transformer female character whose head is on fire? I mean, come on. Right. I <laughs> mean, heck, Nathan's studied some electronic stuff. He could possibly hook up a shit ton of LEDs for me in a costume like that. Why not? Why not? <laughs> as long as we're dreaming. What was the name of, okay, it was Steve in the Wonder Woman movie and his secretary's name was was it Edda? Oh, I think so. I don't remember. I liked her. She was fun. Oh, she was awesome. And the lady who was sitting next to me in this particular panel, she was dressed up as that character, complete with the sword. And she was spot on. And I believe she may have gotten either either worked with the people uh, on the panel or actually, you know, had them make this for her, the sword, you know, Wonder Woman's oh. sword that she was carrying. And it looked great. And it, it had the writing on it and everything, and, you know, the, the special twisty kind of handle and everything. Just 
I mean, what you were saying, really good craftsmanship on that. And I would love to be able to compete in some cosplay stuff. And I was talking to my friend Natasha's son, Aaron, who does a lot of cosplay. And I was asking about the rules of participating in competitions for cosplay. You know, we had heard for the first time that for a lot of these cosplay competitions, you can't have worn your costume out on the floor before the competition because they want it to be a big surprise and a big reveal. But there's other things like in some competitions, you have to have made 85% of everything you're wearing. Like no pre-bought anything. Like they'll let you buy your shoes, but their shirts, the pants, the gloves, everything have to be sewn and created by you for a lot of these things. And I'm thinking, my God, that's amazing. I mean, some of the stuff that they were wearing, I mean, um, day before the con cosplay, I'm, I may have mispronounced his uh, uh, Instagram name earlier on, but so I'll just spell it out right now. D-A-Y-B-E-F-O-R-E-T-H-E-C-O-N-C-O-S-P-L-A-Y. If that's enough letters for you. He was wearing a Steve Rogers Captain America breastplate on. And nice. it was even aged beautifully to look. I, wow. I'm pretty sure this was the World War II version of the Steve Rogers costume. So it looks that kind of attention to detail that people will make the costumes not just of a character, but a character at a specific moment in their yes. entire history, like the comic book version or the movie version or the other movie version. Or a specific moment in the movie when things have happened already. You're like, oh, you can tell this is the bit because he's got, you know, the shirt is torn in this way. It's after this particular spot in the movie. I'm like, my God. I know there are people who cosplay as Iron Man, but Iron Man after his suit has been torn up after a specific battle in the first Avengers movie. That kind of attention to detail. Or the mashup costumes when you know instantly what they are. I saw somebody at LA Comic Con doing a Nebula costume and great makeup, the head, the face paint, everything. And I was like, oh, can I take your picture? And I go around. She's got the Winter Soldier arm on the side. Oh, know, my like goodness. Was, uh, yeah, it was it was impressive. <laughs> it was really good. I was very impressed by that. But uh, I just you see so much inspiration at these cons and to take all of the pictures of it. And I'm like, I want to study what you did. I want to do it myself. There were a few people who did Loki costumes. And sometimes that's really tempting. But of course, you know, Tom Hiddleston, you know, favorite character, favorite villain at the moment anyway. I just don't know that I could do it as well as some of these people. I mean, some of these yeah. people are really, really good. I mean, I, yeah. there was a woman there. I believe Nathan shared a picture of her cosplay as Loki, and she's got a whole Instagram feed, whatever. I think she is competition for Loki Hates You cosplayer. Oh, wow. And really convincing. Nice. I did see he took a picture of a male Loki with the horns and everything, but I love the picture because it's in this really pretty area of the hotel convention center, and something about the architecture behind him actually complimented the costume. I'm like, nicely done. That was good. I, yeah, that I, was I think it. he may have actually tried to do that because he he was complaining about how the light was not really good inside the convention center so he was doing everything he could to try to maximize the good areas where the light was actually able to show what it was you were supposed to look at because i think it was just really low lighting and i know you've complained about that sort of thing before yeah i noticed the anaheim convention center has this outdoor courtyard area where a lot of the cosplayers gather and it's great for taking pictures because it's daylight and it's not in traffic it's not in anybody's way. It's this huge gathering. You get beautiful stuff. 
the LA Convention Center has this atrium. You go inside the convention center and there's this huge area before you go up the stairs or go onto the sales floor. And for indoor lighting, the light ain't bad. And wow. it's interesting and it's got cool patterns going around. So both of them have stuff to recommend them. San Diego Comic-Con has like nothing. I mean, the <laughs> lobby area is terrible for taking pictures because the light is blue and awful. The sales floor is way too crowded. And you go outside and you're like, oh, you're you're practically in the street when you go outside. You so are. San Diego, yeah, it's tricky. In those areas right beside the convention center, there's like like a what is it like a 15 foot sidewalk and then suddenly you're in the road and about to be mowed yeah. down by a tour bus yeah pretty much pretty much you're better off going across the street and trying to catch them there but yeah it's funny how san diego that would be one thing if i could improve anything about san diego comic-con other than the fact that it's so damn hard to get tickets but yeah a better place for cosplayers to have their pictures taken would be nice yeah so the other thing that we did was we went to the Podcasting 101 panel because nice. I thought it would be nice to get some tips on how successful podcasters do it. And the people leading the podcast were the guys from the podcast The Joy of Geek or, you know, The Joy of Gaming. I think they may have started as The Joy of Gaming. Uh, and then there was also the podcast Name Redacted, which... Oh, I love that name. I have to listen to a little bit of these because these guys were... Were awesome. They were really personable. They were having a hell of a time talking about everything. Uh, and they were also very matter of fact, they said, if you guys are getting into podcasting to make money, you're wrong. Yes. <laughs> really, really hard. They specifically mentioned podcasts like Serial and Welcome to Night Vale as podcasts that are making a lot of money, but they are outliers. It's really, yeah. you have to love what you're doing to do a podcast. If you don't love it, you really shouldn't be bothering to do it. So I thought, ah, uh, yes. Sound advice for anybody getting into podcasting. If you're unhappy, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> hint, hint. One thing they talked about in the podcast that you and I might have a little trouble with. Yeah. Okay, well, for starters, be yourself in a dynamic way. They said, you know, you need to do that. Don't try yeah. to be something that you're not, which I think is also very good advice. And you and I seem yeah. to be fairly following along with that. A dichotomy of opinions or playing devil's advocate or just flat out arguments. Those are podcasting gold. So <sighs> that is another thing that I've that is that is really true. I mean, I think back on the old podcast, the best podcasts are where we had an argument. It's really true. Yeah. You know? And it's something that you and I might struggle with a little bit because we're identical twins and we tend yeah. to agree with each other a lot. So and the times yeah. that we haven't I think are actually kind of interesting. Like when I was happier with the Sherlock series finale than you were, you know, other things or like when we start poking fun at each other, like the fact that I happen to like donuts with white cream and you happen to like donuts with yellow cream. And I happen to think you're entirely wrong. I can't imagine why you like the white cream. It's like there's nothing there. It's all just like like eating a spoonful of white sugar. <laughs> Where, how is that fun? Well, how is that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> okay. One thing I was very gratified to hear, they talked about, you know, the equipment that you need to use. And I think we've probably got, you know, the right ones here because it gets you the effect that you want. But also there were people in the audience that were talking about the fact that they had friends who had moved away, but they wanted to continue their podcast. So they wanted to know what's the best way to do it if you're having to talk through Skype. And one thing they right. recommended against 
was recording via Skype using the Skype yes. recorder feature because there is drift. There will always be drift. There will always be odd things going on with the call. And they recommended recording everything on separate tracks and then editing them together. And I'm like, that's yes. <laughs> Yay! That's awesome. I hear that though. I hear a lot of podcasts like podcasts that are doing well, probably better than us, but they get a guest on and they're recording the guest voice coming in through Skype, which is something we did on the old podcast from time to time. And it's just, it always sounds bad every time. And so that's why I didn't want to do it with this one. And I'm, I guess I'm glad we didn't. But. Yeah. Well, they, they did talk a little bit about the software. They're recommendation was the recording and editing software Audacity. Have you ever had a chance to use that? And now the guy on the old podcast used it. It's a PC based one. And he really, really, really liked it and really hated GarageBand. So, you know, I'm totally open for the idea. It's just I know GarageBand at this point, and I'm aware of its idiosyncrasies. However, I only use it to like cut for content and length. Mm -hmm. I don't do any kind of like touching up of the sound because I don't know how. And from what I've seen, GarageBand isn't all that great for it anyway. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. They, they also talked about voice meter, which is another program I think to help with editing, but okay. I think that's right. more, that's more if you're, you're recording through Skype, but not necessarily everybody on the same track in Skype. So that ah, would be okay. something I guess to look into, but someone asked about the fact that, well, you know, when you're talking on Skype, you know, there's always going to be drift, everything, the sound will get off. And they said, well, yeah, but if you're recording in separate tracks, then you go ahead and adjust and move it around. I'm like, and that's exactly what Elizabeth that's does. That's exactly what, yeah, exactly. And I've noticed we don't have too much drift. Like once I link it up at the beginning, we tend to stay fairly much in line. But yeah, there's tons of times when I start to notice that the pauses seem a little long or whatever, and then I can just nudge somebody over. So it's... This has worked out pretty well. It does add time, though, because you are going to have to make one pass through the podcast just to make sure, one, that everybody's linked up, and two, that nobody's talking over each other. And then you're going to flatten the tracks, and you're going to do another edit to cut out all of the overly long pauses or anything else like that. So be prepared. I say that no matter how long your podcast is, multiply that by four, and that's your editing time. Yes, so. and they did. They came right out and said that editing is the worst. That's, yeah. that's it's the, the worst part about having to do a podcast, and I don't even do any of the editing, and I still know that. So, yeah, yeah it, it yeah. will take some time. But the only other thing that they talked about that I thought we would probably have a problem with you have to get out there and make relationships and talk to people and get the word out and do your PR and do all this active stuff. You can't just put it out on the internet and hope people fall into it. I'm like, Man. well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Social media though, I we're, we're do pretty good on the social medias that we have, but I don't know if anybody out there uses Buffer and that allows you to take one post and put it in multiple places. And since I do the social media both for Pixlady Geek and for Binary System, I can actually do one post that goes out to Pixlady Geek and Binary System Twitter and Facebook. And we also have a Google Plus page for Pixelated Geek, but I don't do anything for Binary System because 
I don't think anybody's on Google Plus. I, I really don't think so. Really I'm sorry, so. guys. I don't think Google's going to take off at all. It's it's been a few years. It's probably not yeah. happening. But yeah, I think no. I think the idea was you know they talked about the friendships they've made that have ended up helping them with their podcast. And it was it was getting out and making relationships, not trying to network. You know, he said, you right. know, you can have all these events where they have catering and they have drinks and everybody gets together and nothing ever happens because everybody's only ever focused on business, business, business. And if you get out and you find somebody in another city and you make friends with them, and then if you are tr- having to do any kind of traveling to do panels or whatever, suddenly you've got somebody that you know and then you trust who can help you in that strange city so that's right that's the sort of thing you have to work on i'm like yeah. yes well you know of a friday evening i've got my honey whiskey and a movie i haven't seen before and i'm fine i don't need other people excuse me seriously that whole problem with getting out there and talking to people and making friends that means i have to talk to people <laughs> i know that's, that's, that's a, hard that's a tall order right there i'm an artist i'm an artist because i don't want to actually discuss things with people i just want to do my art that's fine yeah <laughs> It's funny. Podcasts are all about communicating. I'm like, I don't want to talk to people. Yes, well, we're just kind of talking to each other and sort of sending our voice out there where we don't have to be face to face with people. No, but I always remember that Sarah's on Tomato Nation. She had her little frequently asked questions and people were asking, you know, how long did it take Tomato Nation to really actually become popular? And she's like, a long time. I mean, a really long time. So I'm... (laughs) I'm prepared for things like this to take a little. Also, I'm not expecting to make the podcast my day job. I just, you know, we were going to talk every Sunday night to do Skype and talk about Walking Dead and Welcome to Nightville anyway. Why not just record it and send it out into the world? I think that was pretty much the exact rationale for why we recorded this the first time is that there was a great big pivotal Night Vale episode coming up. And we're like, I know, why don't we listen to it together on Skype? And then we can talk about our reactions. <laughs> and then two or three years later, and here we are. <laughs> so yeah, it was all it was a fun convention. Definitely want to go back. Um, I think it's getting bigger every year. And the fact that it's in such a neat area in downtown Durham, which is pretty fun to wander around in, even when there isn't a convention. So yeah, uh, A plus, I think. Excellent. So yeah, at the exact same time that you were doing that, I was with my friends Cheryl and Lauren and Jada and Elizabeth Sorrell. And yes, that took a little while for us. We were Everybody started calling us Sorrell and Wallace because every time they said Elizabeth, both of us would look up. But all of us have gone to designer con together the past few years and that's in pasadena and it is it's the designer toy world but that makes it sound like toys and it's it really like i said it's an art show and it's weird i mean people make these figures and they're strange and sometimes gothic and disturbing but sometimes cute and adorable and other people make kind of these resin figures that are blanks and then they get people to do custom paint of these figures and there's people who do clothing and there's people who do prints and paintings and stuffed animals i mean my god it's everything and it's in Pasadena, and I think this is maybe its seventh year, I suppose? I'm just looking at one of the pictures that you posted. It's a life-size skull 
that has been decorated as a Ouija board. I mean, yeah. just this kind of random stuff that people make that is so cool. And there's a limited amount of each design, I think. That's why they call them designer toys, because they're not traditionally mass produced. These are people who they do have molds and they make resin pores and everything. But if you've ever worked with resin, I mean, they're doing it by hand, so they can only make so many. There's even people who do 3D printing. But if you know anything about 3D printing, that's not like, you know, a way to print money. 3D printing is really, really hard. You have to have the good equipment, the good material, like the medium that you're working in, a good design, and a lot of patience, man. So, And I don't think any of that material that you use to print it is cheap either. No, no. And it's also, as far as I know, it's not reusable. So you screw it up and you're done. Then that way, it's a lot like resin. Like I have done some resin stuff before. You mess it up, well, you throw it away and you start over again. So it's really... I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at some of these pictures you posted of this amazing stuff, like G Monic, I think, is one of the uh, designers. Yes, yes. We got a picture of his last year. He had done this Trojan horse, but if you got up close to it, it was almost like a tenement building in New York, like outdoor stairways, and you could see the sort of the struts of like wood connecting buildings together. But he makes everything out of found objects. And he had this one in his wall this year that I got a picture of, and the picture turned out way better than I hoped. So gorgeous. I mean, I can't oh, I can't even describe it. It's like a castle, but with a samurai mask and a woman's face, and all these found objects are used as her hair, and just and all of it in this sort of silver and brass color scheme. Oh, it's it, his stuff is amazing. And he, you know, a lot of these people are really kind of rock stars. They, you, you walk along the floors of this convention center, which is not small, and there are these lines of people who are lined up because their favorite artist is there doing signings. And this guy, Gemonic, Flava Flav stopped by his booth to get his picture taken there. So, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's a really, really cool vibe there. But these people, the creativity, the things they think to make are so interesting. And I've got photos from me and Lauren and Cheryl. And I think we're going to have, I don't know, maybe like 100, maybe 150 photos. And they just defy description, the amount of things that you see. I got some magnets from one of my favorite artists. His site is Human Tree Robot. And I believe his name is Mark Brunner. And there's something about the look to these paintings. I love them so much, but I'm also cheap. And he sells his magnets for like, I don't know, like three for 15 or three for 12. I can't remember. And I've bought so many magnets from this guy. I could have totally bought a big full-size painting at this point, but whatever. I have a lot of magnets. (laughs) (laughs) And just, I mean, I will just keep looking through it. And this, there's a tangent here. One of the series of pictures that you posted is James DeRosso's creations. Oh my God. Just the experience. Expressions. <laughs> these little, these little monsters with their mouths going like that. I was walking on the floor and I walked past the booth and I did one of those double takes, like, wait, what? And I stopped and I went back and I just, I was flabbergasted by how adorable everything was in a slightly like almost disturbing, but not, but just really creepy. Oh, oh siren! Everybody drink. drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. It just, and it's it's all ceramic. So this stuff is not thrown together. He takes some serious time with this stuff and everyone is completely different. Everyone is individual and they are all funny as hell. So yeah, just 
discovering people like that, that you will go back, like there's a, a person called Roz Toys, R-A-W-Z-T-O-Y-S, I think. I love her stuff. She makes these resin or 3D printed creations and little foxes and little hedgehogs and everything. Camillo de Erico, I think is her name. She does these paintings, but now she's doing like these figures. I, I can't even I can't even list the number of people that I originally just ran across on Instagram and was so taken with their stuff. And then they come to this convention to sell their stuff, to get the word out, and also just hang out with other artists who do amazing things. It is just incredible, incredible stuff. And the reason why the James DeRosso creations made me think of this. Okay, have you had a chance to watch any of season 10 of Doctor Who yet? No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay, we've watched uh, the Christmas one, The Return of Doctor Mysterio, and then The Pilot, and both those are really good. And then we watched Spile, the second one of the 10th season. Well, the second official one, whatever. I'm never sure how they do the counting. I'm never sure. But we watched this one, and I knew you were going to have to watch this because... All right, now... The whole storyline, I think it kind of petered out at the end. I think they missed a chance to do more explanations and maybe they got a little simplistic with how it all wrapped up. But the main part of the storyline deals with these little robots with these computer faces, whatever, and they talk in emojis. And the face, oh. the faces that these robots make, especially when they're looking a little confused or quizzical, that expression, I was like, Elizabeth has to see this. She would love this. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, you and I are so t- taken by that like that one stick person drawing that I found that the the guy who was flipping the table <laughs> staring at the computer screen with that look on his face that's why we like stick people because to get as much expression as possible to the least amount of lines that's what we always love and that's kind of what I liked about DeRosso's stuff is that a lot of times it's just like Sometimes it's just eyes and a very straight line of a mouth, but you get so much like quirkiness and sassiness and oh, it's just, and it's one of those things, it's so hard to do right. And that was something that you and I found out that we would just, I mean, you would try to pencil a stick person drawing and then you would try to ink it. And if you got the ink line just a little bit off from what you wanted, it would change the whole face, even though we are literally talking about two dots in a line. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And that... He's, I've never seen his stuff before. And that's one of the things I love about going to DesignerCon is that you just, you will run across something and be like, this is the most amazing thing I have ever seen. And I wish I had all the money because I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to promote him and I'm going to tell people about his stuff and I'm going to put up pictures of his stuff. I didn't spend any money on it. I'm sorry. Well, so, you know, we all have limited space for our things. That's the problem. Yeah. If I had, it's sometimes it's not just the money. It's the fact that I have no room in my house. No. And, and my, apartment I have no more space on my walls Jada for Christmas last year because I've been talking about this she got me this huge three ring binder with sleeves inside that are postcard size because I love buying postcard prints and I have no room left for any of them so (laughs) it's getting filled up let me tell you but that's you know you I found a Transformers picture a couple years ago at DesignerCon so mostly it's people's own individual creations but sometimes it's like their take on existing properties Mm -hmm. and I found some amazing Transformers stuff at designer con and just yeah it's but so here's here's how the day went we drove up to oceanside 
and caught the Metrolink to Los Angeles. And the Metrolink on Saturdays, they had a $10 pass all day long. Yeah, we're on that train for like two and a half hours. It's 10 bucks. It was great. So we get there and we bought our tickets and we go to get in the building and there's a line to get in the building. And so we start walking to try and find the end of this line. It stretched clear around to the other side of the building, all the way around. There's this giant courtyard that the line looped around. We were in line for an hour just to get in the building. Holy cow. It has never been like that ever. This is the fourth year I've been and everybody was talking about it. Like you got on the floor and you're talking to artists and people like, oh my God, what the hell was up with that line? So next year it will not be in Pasadena. Next year it will be in Anaheim, the same place that WonderCon's in because it's officially gotten too big for Pasadena. Wow, because I'm remembering the first time I ever went to San Diego Comic-Con and this will tell you how long ago it was that you were able to buy tickets at the door and go in. That's Oh yeah. But we went, I think on a Saturday and yes. went to the front of the building and saw the line and started walking to get to the end of the line. And we walked yeah. and we walked and we were like, we were like at a beach. I think it like looped around to a gazebo at a beach about half a mile away before we oh, decided, yeah. all right, this isn't working. And then we went back on Sunday and it was fine. But yeah, yeah no, so, yeah. And, and it was very shortly after that, that you stopped being able to buy tickets at the gate. So do you suppose once it gets to Anaheim, that's going to be the case that it's going to have to be another lottery thing like Comic-Con? I sure as hell hope not, because WonderCon hasn't gotten that way. Like, you can still, you know, WonderCon is run by the same people as San Diego Comic-Con. It's in Anaheim, and you still can get tickets, I want to say, a couple days before the convention. It hasn't gotten that bad, but who knows? I don't know. I mean, because there were a lot of people who were saying that. They're like, I'm so glad this is doing well. I really want it to do good, but oh my God, that line. And I think they may have actually shut off ticket sales after a while because the building was not able to hold any more people or else it would violate the fire code. So it was wow. just, yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was seriously, <laughs> I've never seen it like that before, but we, so we didn't get in until like 1.30. The last Metrolink left at 4.30. So we kind of had to get everything in. Hang a second. Cat. Oh, cat is, I was like, what's that rustling? Cat's playing with the paper bag. Stop playing with the paper bag. <laughs> so we had to get everything done and be able to get back to the station by 4.30. So man, I was on a cat. Oh my God. <laughs> She's trying to dive in the paper bag. I'm taking that away from you. Give me. So, so I was on a mission because I wanted to take pictures and I wanted to do all the things. So I was just really, really trying to see as much of it. And as it turns out, three hours, you actually can see the entire convention. You can't linger on a lot of stuff that way, but you can see everything. And then I'm glad we did because we got back to the train station and we get on the train and you're looking for your seats and we go down to this lower level of the train and there's this one kind of little alcove area sort of in between the floors. There's like 14 chairs and a couple tables in there and there's just five of us and nobody else ever came into that car the whole ride home. So we called it our private train car and it was awesome. <laughs> it was just, 
what a great way to end the day. Just kick back and eat our snacks and read our books. And it was great. Oh, now, see, we usually manage to get to San Diego lately only in July. And I think I would like to be able to do another fall trip to San Diego because that was the first time that I ever went to San Diego was in November. And I remember one of the things that I noticed the most was it was fucking cold. (laughs) And you even told mom, you're like, yes, I'm here. I'm in Alyssa's apartment. It's freezing. It's just like when we were in Asheville. I'm like, all right, fine. I keep my place a little cold. All right, whatever. (laughs) Well, just the fact of having to have heaters on at the restaurants when you're sitting outside in San Diego where it's supposed to be hot. Yeah, no. Really weird. San Diego does get chilly from time to time. Not a lot (laughs) and not very, but it does. But no, I was even thinking about that. Next time you and Nathan come out, I mean, you always come out here at San Diego, which is awesome. And then I work you guys the entire time. We're going to every day of Comic-Con and taking all the pictures and the cosplay. Honest to God, that's every vacation that I go on nowadays. And I think that's a standard thing for everybody. You know, everyone comes back from vacation saying, oh my God, I had a great time. I kind of need a vacation after the vacation. So if if you haven't packed your days entirely full it doesn't feel like you vacationed properly oh god that sort of counts for our new york trip and everything i mean we only spent like few hours sitting still not doing anything the rest of the time we were all over the place but it's new york i mean you gotta go and see all the things you really do yes i mean i don't want to waste any time when i'm on vacation because there's so many things i can see or do that i can't actually do in north carolina so i want to do them all on a side note are you still planning to uh, bring the west coast binary system podcast over to the east coast in january for our birthday this next year i'm hoping if the finances help me out that would be good so yeah I mean, because I'm already going to Florida for Christmas and then I'm coming back to San Diego and then I go to North Carolina for our birthday. So it's a lot of traveling, but I think I can make it work. Well, you know, if we end up having to delay it, apparently Gatlinburg has this new high ropes course zipline sort of thing. Walk among the top of the trees, whatever in the mountain that I would need you to come along to because I know I won't be able to talk Nathan into doing that. So, yeah, no, Nathan doesn't. Nathan is not fond of heights, which is probably a pretty good self-preservation technique when you get right down to it. I've tried dragging him onto something that I thought he would actually enjoy anyway, and no, he actually didn't. So it's no. not, you really, you really can't force people into having fun in ways that they don't want to have fun at. No, I, it's probably a good life lesson, honestly. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll fun, trust me, you'll enjoy it. They don't have fun, and now they also don't trust you. <laughs> That's exactly right. And they're riding a one of those ski lift things down the side of Gatlinburg and they're swearing the entire way down. <laughs> and they're probably going to have a stroke, so not so much fun. Not good. Oh, not well. good. Not good. <laughs> but I think I think that'll actually wrap us up for the week. That's a pretty good wrap. I mean, that was a pretty good weekend. I had really hoped Stephanie Agnes had asked if there's any way I could try and get her press passes to Palm Springs Comic Con, which is different from Comic Con Palm Springs. Those are two different conventions. Ah, wow. Comic Con Palm Springs did get me press passes. Palm Springs Comic Cons told me none were available. So boo for those guys. But, uh, how fun would that have been for her and possibly Jordan to be at Palm Springs doing a convention and us in Pasadena doing a convention and you guys in North Carolina doing a convention. But as it was, we had two and we should probably spread our conventions out just a little bit. I think so. Maybe just yeah, a little. That's, that's fine. But 
for all of that, go to pixelatedgeek.com. Seriously, we got some photo galleries. I saw Nathan's photos. They are they are pretty awesome. They're very neat. And we've got photos from DesignerCon, and we have the book reviews, we have the movie reviews, we have Leland's podcast, which if you have seen it on the social medias, is no longer Halloween Street. It is now the Spookeasy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He did not want to be pigeonholed into just Halloween stuff because it's all about the dark and the macabre and all that kind of stuff. So make sure to check all of that out. Pixelatedgeek.com. I guess next week we're going to have an Eiffel episode. We will, actually. And in fact, in a few days from time of recording, when this recording posts uh, a few days ago, because time Time is is weird. weird. But we will also have our joint review of the Night Vale book, It Devours, that went up uh, tomorrow, as of time is recording. No, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> We've done that enough for our podcast. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. But yeah, check all of that out. And one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Gotten himself chew- his uh, costume chewed up in the uh, uh, the whatever the propeller, which whatever you call it from. Um, Oh, my goodness, it's been a long day. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? Let me try this again. Yeah. Okay.